Mr. Evans. No answer. Mr. Evans. Belladonna sneaked a look over her shoulder to the back of the classroom, where Steve and his friends usually clustered. He was far away, gazing out of the window and down at the football field below. The cloud-cloaked sun was low in the sky, throwing the trees at the end of the field into stark relief and making the frost on the grass sparkle. Am I talking to myself? Madam Huggins suddenly had that dangerous sarcasm in her voice, the tone that generally went before a detention, or worse, a trip to Miss Parker's office. Not that Steve was a stranger to either penalty. Silence settled on the classroom like a heavy blanket, but still Steve was oblivious. Jimmy Wright shoved a bony elbow into his ribs, and Steve jumped back to life, first shooting an angry stare at Jimmy, then gradually becoming aware of the silence in the classroom. He slowly turned his head to look at Madame Huggins. She had drawn herself to her full height, a difficult feat for someone so resoundingly round. "'Good morning,' she said, her voice dripping with sarcasm. Titters from the rest of the class.' Did you have a good rest? Steve just stared at her, sullen indifference writ large on his face. Now, give me an example of a genitive charge. Steve stared and then cocked his head to one side and shifted in his seat. In Latin? He said finally. No, in Greek, of course in Latin. This is a Latin class, you stupid boy. Madame Huggins's face had turned entirely red, except for the very tip of her nose, which was as white as snow. Belladonna began to suspect that she might explode, but instead she took a deep breath. Look, she said, her voice strangely calm. You don't know how lucky you are. Most schools dropped Latin from the curriculum years ago, but it's a great foundation, it really is. Belladonna bit her lip. Dr. Ash had said the same thing the first time they'd seen him on the other side, and that hadn't ended well at all, what with the hound, poisonous night ravens, and the imprisonment of all the ghosts. She glanced back at Steve again to see if he registered the same memory, but he was busy staring at Madame Huggins, his face a mask of obstinance. All right, said Madame Huggins finally. Let's see if you've even managed to grasp the basics. A genitive charge. In English. He nearly died of boredom. Madame Huggins opened her mouth to pour scorn and then stopped. A barely suppressed giggle ran around the classroom. Uh, yes, she said, clearly amazed. Yes, that's right. But if you know that, then why didn't... But she was destined never to know what made Steve Evans so impossible in class when he was clearly one of the brightest students in it. The bell rang for the end of the lesson and the end of the day. Steve scooped up his backpack and was out of the door in a flash and on his way down to football practice with the rest of his cronies. Belladonna packed up her Latin grammar, her exercise book and her pencils. She glanced at Madame Huggins as she stuffed them into her pink backpack. The old lady had slumped into her chair behind the desk, exhausted by the sheer effort involved in trying to get a bunch of twelve-year-olds to take any interest in Latin. Belladonna smiled as she passed by, but Madame Huggins didn't notice. She just stared toward the back wall of the class. Belladonna walked through the empty corridors of Dulworth's, 
her steps echoing on the old wooden floors and the crisp tile of the entrance hall. It was amazing how quickly several hundred students could vacate a building when they were really motivated. Of course, not everyone had gone. There were always the after-hours classes. Tonight it was orchestra practice, and the sound of chairs being dragged across the parquet floor of the assembly room was soon followed by the whining, huffing cacophony of twenty would-be musicians attempting to tune up. Belladonna winced as she hurriedly retrieved her coat from the cloakroom, stepped out into the late afternoon gloom and headed home. She hadn't gone very far before it was completely dark. She kicked at a stone lying in her path and pondered the misery that was February. It may be the shortest month of the year, but it always felt like the longest. By February, she always felt as if winter would never end, days would always be short, and the sun would never shine again. It didn't get light until close to nine in the morning, and by three it started to fade, all without the actual sun putting in a single appearance, just the endless lowering lead-grey sky. At which point in her reverie, the skies opened and a freezing rain began to descend. Oh, great, muttered Belladonna, pulling her hood up. That's just great. By the time she got home, her fingers and nose were almost blue with the cold, her feet were soaked, and her black hair was hanging in dripping strings down the sides of her face. I'm home, she said, hanging her coat up on its hook in the hall. Oh, my heavens, said her mother, materialising near the sitting room door. You're soaked to the skin. Get those wet shoes off and get in front of the fire. Dinner will be in five minutes. Belladonna pulled her shoes off and left them at the bottom of the stairs before wandering into the sitting room, where her father was sitting, or more accurately hovering, an inch or so above his easy chair, watching the television. He took one look at her and let go with a single guffaw. Ha! he said. You look like a drowned rat. Belladonna glared at him and sat on the floor in front of the gas fire. The news was on, of course, but it wasn't very interesting. She looked up at her father, who was watching attentively, and wondered why he was so fascinated. It wasn't as if any of it affected him. He'd been dead for nearly two years.' 